Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Joelle. Today we are joined by Sharon Howerton, president of Chicago Uptown Lions Club, a volunteer service agency committed to service in the Uptown and Edgewater neighborhoods since 1921. Lions Club International is the world's largest service club organization with over 1 million members. Their mission is to improve our communities and they have been doing so here in Chicago for nearly 100 years. Welcome, Sharon. How are you today? Pretty well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me here. And um, yeah, we just had our celebration of our uh, the Lions uh, Centennial last year in 2017. They had a big parade and all kind of stuff. I can't say I went to anything, but they had over 100, I think they had over 100,000 um, people, Lions from all over the world who attended. And um, so it was it was quite a time. And we ourselves have been around since 1921. We're getting ready for our centennial uh, in the next couple of years. So we're a small group in a large organization. Where was that event that you were speaking about? That was, they were all over the place. They had several hotels. Oh, gosh, I can't remember now where. Oh, it was at McCormick Place. I'm sorry. They had it at McCormick Place. Um, And they even had a concert. I heard, though I didn't go to this concert, but there was at... uh, uh, Emma Cormac Place, and they had the Beach Boys, and I think they had Chicago as well, but I know the Beach Boys were there. And it was quite an event. And I went to one um, that had some uh, German singers, German lions were there, and that was kind of fun. But uh, yeah, there's, there are all kinds of people, and they're doing another type of training here, I think, later in the year, but I don't know where. So, Sharon, I know we're going to talk a lot about all the great things that Lions Club does here and around the world, but we kind of like to start out and ask you a little bit about yourself. Were you born here in Chicago, and how long have you been an Andersonville resident? Um, Yes, I am from Chicago. I grew up on the southeast side, and I've been at my current uh, address in Andersonville for over 15 years, but I've lived in the community for since... 1981, when my ex and I purchased a house in Bowmanville. So you've seen the neighborhood change quite oh a bit. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I remember coming here when we first moved to the house and coming down Clark Street and there was nothing. And coming back here uh, when I moved here in 2003, uh, and as time has gone on, it's been there's been so much. I mean, on my own block, we have Walgreens. Um, it's That's why I stay, well, a lot of reasons to stay, but... You know, everything is so convenient here that uh, it's it's uh, it's would be hard to go elsewhere. And what is your your current day job? <laughs> How many do you want? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, um, I'm I'm a retired state employee, and so at this point, um, I work for the Hadley Institute for the Blind and Visually Impaired, and uh, I um, I'm a teacher. Uh, I've been there since September 2002. I retired from the state on the last of August and started at Hadley the couple of days later after Labor Day. So I'm a teacher. I work at home, and um, it's it's great. It's a it's we also are getting to our centennial, so that's kind of an interesting thing too. But we'll have our centennial in 2020, and for a school for the visually impaired, 2020 is you know best glasses, and we serve the blind and visually impaired. So that's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I don't know if that was planned that way, but it's definitely the way it's worked out. And where is that school located? Uh, it's in Winnetka. Oh, okay. And we serve people all over the world. But uh, I work at home. I have worked at home now for the last, I don't know, 
nine or 10 years almost. And it's, it's, gosh, it's great. I'm a part-time teacher and I work at home and it's, to me, it's the best of all worlds. I can do a lot of different things and enjoy my students as well. Yeah. And Andersonville becomes like your second office in a way. Exactly right. Yes, it is. So now you're the president of the Lions Club, but how did you originally get involved with the organization? Um, I, well, you, you have to be invited to join. Okay. And um, someone did invite me. And the reason that I was interested is because my whole career has been involved with service and services to the blind and visually impaired. Uh, and and those who wouldn't know me, I'm blind. Um, and so it, it just seemed like it was a natural thing to be a part of an organization that dealt with serving the blind and visually impaired. So I started out at the first Lions Club, which was Chicago Central. And then for a lot of reasons, um, I met our current treasurer who has had all kinds of jobs within the Lions organization. And he told me that they met at Wing Ho, and I thought, gosh, I could walk there. And so I transferred to Uptown, I would guess maybe eight years ago or so. Anyway, quite a while. So we meet every month at Francesca's, uh, the second Wednesday of every month. And um, I was very, very pleased to be um, nominated as vice president a couple of years ago, and then they get me again as president. I guess we don't have a lot of choices, but anyway. <laughs> so um, it's been an interesting experience. It's, you know, learning about different things and um, coordinating stuff. And I, I can't say that I'm hugely involved with the organization. Um, there's so many things, but you could spend your life going to meetings. But uh, I, I just, frankly, I don't have time for all that stuff. So I, I've learned as much about the organization as I can and participate in as much as I can. Um, but uh, my main focus is to be able to serve our community here. So can you tell us a little bit more about the organization and maybe how many board members you have or other members? We currently have 28 members. Um, we have, I think, seven or eight, eight people on our board. Uh, and they, we also meet once a month. Um, at this point, we're planning a couple of events in the, in the area. Um, people have known us over the years for Lions Candy Day. And they don't, people don't see us as much as they used to. I don't think people come out as much as they did to do collections. But it's been fun. Um, we stand there. Uh, this year, it's October 12 and 13. Um, last year, I was able to collect at the Jewel on Clark Street. Um, hugely rainy day but they allowed me to stand inside that's my store so you know there was and they had to get permission for me to do that and all stuff but um it was very fun to do that and to see people that i know and for people that that know me um so we'll be doing that and part of our collection goes to the um uh, lions of illinois foundation and the other part goes to the, I don't know if that goes to the international, I think just to the Lions of Illinois Foundation and the rest to us for any service projects that we may have. And then on October 26th, uh, we will be doing what we call the vision bus um, at, the, at the armory. Last year, we had a bus that traveled throughout the state, and it was a hearing bus. So there was a guy on the bus that had um, the devices to do hearing screenings, and um, the 48th Ward was really good about, you know, helping us with that. They, we were all pretty nervous about it because we'd never done it. 
but it worked out beautifully. We, um, the guy screened 71 people, which is more than they had screened previously. And, you know, people were able to take their little charts that they got at the end of their screening to an audiologist or someone else, or they were able to say, gee, I can hear fine. Uh, or maybe you better be checking out some hearing aids. Um, so we did that, and so the 48th Ward was really um, glad to have us back uh, to talk about the, our, our next event. And with this one, they'll be doing a vision screening just to check a person's retinas for things like diabetic retinopathy and other eye, can, eye diseases. So they'll take a picture of their eyes or the retina, whatever they do, and in a few weeks um, after that's been uh, reviewed, then it will the results will be sent to the person, and they can take that, just like they did with the hearing test, uh, to an op- ophthalmologist to check out any possible um, vision abnormalities. That's kind of fun. We're looking forward to doing that. It's been a great way to serve the community, and it's free. When is the next screening bus? Is, um, is, is it going to be on a bus again? Yeah, it's going to be a bus, and it's going to be on Friday, October 26th. And you do um, children and adults, or primarily adults? Um, you know... Um, we have we did adults there. Um, they have another program called Voices, and we've been trying to get this arranged for a while. It's a program for kids, I believe it's from six months to six years, um, where they can take a picture of their eyes. No one is touched, um, but they take a picture of their eyes, and they're able to determine if a child has any vision abnormalities. Um, but that takes a whole lot of stuff. You know, you have to have a place. They have to have certain lighting. Um, they have to have, you know, power and that type of thing. And we have not been able to get that arranged, but it's something that we would really like to do at some point. It's not labor-intensive on our part. Um, we would just need someone to be there and to sign people in and stuff like that, like we did last year. There were just three of us that um, were at the armory last year. So that's another thing we would like to do, but we have not been able to arrange it with a preschool or daycare center or something like that. So everybody listening, if you have a location, give us a call. We'll figure out how to connect. That would be be great. We'd love to do that. I mean, to me, my idea is to get the word out about Lions because so often people don't hear a lot about service organizations or they don't want to go to meetings or they don't want to be a part of this. And, you know... We have only a few young members, so we really need some younger members, people that are interested in in serving the community, in learning about what we do. Um, we know people can't always go to every meeting, um, but we are always interested in having people join us and hear about what we're doing and uh, and contribute in any way that they can. That's one of the things that uh, that our founder, um, Melvin Jones, had said is, you know, what the thing that we could, you know, put people's talents to work to improve their community. And um, it's, it's kind of the, the way I see the Lions and, you know, just service in general. If we can make this world a better place, even if it's one person at a time, it's a better world to me. That's wonderful. Um, going back to candy days, you know, given that it's before Halloween, can you tell us a little bit more about what that is? Do folks purchase candy from you? Is that how it operates? Oh, no. It's actually, um, we stand in certain places. Okay. Uh, I'm going to try to do the jewel again, okay. although I have meetings from Hadley on Saturday, so I'm going to try to do maybe late Saturday and on Sunday. Um, we have an apron. 
um, we have little containers and um, hard candy. Okay. And, you know, we just stand there and solicit donations. I'm always saying, you know, help the lions on candy day. And um, so then they can contribute. Some people will just contribute um, and not take the candy. Some people, when I'm finally at the end of last year, I'd say, please take this candy. I want to go home. <laughs> so <laughs> please just take it. Take two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it, but it's, we, we are identified um, with, our, with the apron that we wear. Um, and the containers, and so um, then we turn that in uh, and, um, you know, figure out where the donations go. So the other things that we do, actually, we collect um, used eyeglasses, and those are taken to the um, Lions of Illinois Foundation in, I forget the name of the, uh, Sycamore, and then they are cleaned and, and calibrated, and those are then taken to third world countries. We also accept uh, used hearing aids. So if you have any of those kinds of things, any type of glasses, we would be happy to have them. We have a, a drop-off place at Alamo Shoes. Um, we also have one, maybe two, at St. Gregory's. Um, I'm, I'm in the choir there, so we, I put one, a box up in the choir loft. And then there's one downstairs. Um, there are probably other places. I also go to Galter Life Center. We have a box over there. So people may see our boxes, or they can just let us know, and we can. We would always be happy to, oh, the 48th Ward has a, has a box. Um, the Armory has a box. So there are places where you can donate your glasses or just get in touch with us, and we'll be glad to get a box to you or um, be able to work out a way to get the, any, any used glasses that you might have. That's wonderful. That's really great to know, especially right next door here with Anderson. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah. know that, but yes, mm-hmm. I noticed that. Absolutely. I have an app on my phone that tells me what's around, and it's kind of fun. It's like, oh, a vision place right here. I love that. <laughs> That's very cool. Maybe we should put a box over there. I don't know. Yeah, visionary. Yes. Well, Sharon, maybe you could share with us um, the day-to-day challenges that individuals face um, who are blind or visually impaired. Um, gee. That's sort of an interesting question. Um, I think some of the challenges that, a um, couple things that I can think of just in this community, um, we have had lots of discussions. We had some people from the city attend a meeting of ours in January um, about um, audible controlled uh, intersections. Mm-hmm. And my particular one has been at Catalpa and Ashland. Um, because it's it's been it's hard to judge the crossing sometimes. I've been traveling yeah. independently as a totally blind person since I was twelve, and that's been more than fifty years ago. Uh, and you know, it's kinds of traffic have have changed. Um, the things that you have to think about and all that sort of thing. So um, we have not been able to be successful in getting that done. But that's one thing that a lot of us talk about. Um, there was one person that used to be on a tirade about the crossings downtown because she said there were no, you know, bumpy things at the at the street corners. And I thought, she's crazy, but she's not. I found them myself. I was like, how did I cross this street? Oh, my God. I just crossed State Street. I didn't even know it. And, um, you know, so it's uh, – those are some of the things. Traffic is, is difficult. Um it's different traveling with a cane as opposed to traveling with a dog. I've traveled with a dog now for the last 15 years. Um, I have Camille with me. She's my second. She's uh, an eight-and-a-half-year-old black lab. And um, 
you know, I'm always on the alert for other dogs um, because you never know where they're going to be. Are they controlled? Are they on leash? Uh, are people paying attention? And we were just walking over here down Ashland, and she stopped, and she got in front of me. Um, turns out there was a, another dog there, and the handler was with it and, and you know, headed to wait. And so sometimes she'll stop, and sometimes she'll just go ahead. But more often than not, she'll stop. And it always makes me nervous um, because these dogs cost, including our own training, about $50,000 to train. And, you know, it's, it's a worry when people are not conscious of their dogs because if she was, she, we were waiting for a bus with a friend of mine one time over here um, near Starbucks at Clark and um, uh, Berwyn, and this dog came up and scratched her ear. And, you know, she was okay. I took her to the vet. Um, you know, he cleaned it and all that kind of stuff. But something like that, you know, could um, cause a dog who was, sort of sensitive, um, to retire. And yet, and so that kind of, of lack of consideration of other people, um, could cause a well-trained, expensive animal to, um, you know, to have to retire prematurely just because it gets freaked out. Now, fortunately, she's a pretty solid girl. Um, she's pretty assertive in her way. She's pretty, con well, I guess I should say more confident than anything else. She's like, just, I'll take you there. It's okay. Don't worry about mm -hmm. it. We'll get there. Um, so, and the lions actually do support the various guide dog schools. I, I was always upset that they didn't support the school we trained at in New York, but the lions in that area support them. So, um, I suppose that's okay. But, um, um, I was just wondering, Sharon, do you have quick tips for our listeners, like guide dog etiquette, just a few things we should all keep in mind when we see a guide dog like Cameo? Yes, um, for sure, um. It's helpful if you say, I have a dog here, um, keep your dog close to you, um, let us pass, don't touch her. Um, I, I am not as particular as some people are about um, talking to her. Some people will actually tell you a different name that, of the, what their dog is. I'm really? not worried about, yeah, they do. I'm not worried about it because she's not going to turn over to anybody else. She turned over to me immediately when I got her. So I'm not worried about that part, but... Um, um, to, I always say, you know, don't talk to her when she's, when we're walking down the street and not that she's mean, but it's distracting and it would, it could cause, um, danger to both of us because then she loses her concentration. Now, as I said, she's pretty solid and she would probably not pay attention to that. But I mean, my own kids have been on the street and she didn't go over there to see them. And, um, so, you know, but stuff like that can be really important, but it's, you know, as I said, don't touch her. Um, if you want to touch her, ask me, um, usually I'll say no, but especially when she's in harness, you know, she's working and she knows she's working now at home. That's a different story Then she can play and she's a regular girl, but on the street, it's so important to remember that they're wa working. And so often now you have dogs everywhere. I mean, like we were at the bank yesterday, and there's like a dog in there. I was like, oh, my God, what is this thing going to do now? And I'm always thinking, okay, where is it? What's it going to do? Is it going to hurt her? Um, and uh, it's so uh, those are some of the things that I can immediately think of. Well, also, you know, as a parent, I'm curious to know um, what you feel is the best way for a parent to uh, respond to a child who has questions about an individual with a physical disability. I, I could imagine, you know, 
certainly when my kids were small, they kind of notice everything and they mm-hmm. ask questions. And sure. sometimes parents get embarrassed or they get choked right. up and they don't know what to say. Like, you know, do you welcome questions or how? You I know? personally do. Absolutely. Um, so if, yes. if, if, they, if we were to be walking down the street and, you know, my child will have a question for you, how, how would the, what would be the best way to approach you? Um, just say, you know, just say, hello, I'm so-and-so. Can I ask you, you know, a question or, you know, what does your dog do? I've heard people in the store have said that, you know, you, know, you can't touch that dog because that dog is working. What kills me is when they'll tell their dog that. It's like, <laughs> like the dog. <laughs> they <say> that. I <laughs> mean, maybe they do on some level. Maybe, maybe they do. But. Of course, one of my favorite ones is when they'll say that. Is that a blind dog? No, she can see just fine. But, <laughs> but they, I, I guess they understand. I mean, I guess they kind of know. But it's a, it's yeah. a weird question. But I personally always welcome questions. Um, I've done presentations to elementary school um, kids since before I had my first son, and he's now thirty-five. And uh, so it's. I mean, I, I welcome that. How else are people going to know? You know, how do you live? You know, like kids will say. You know, I'll say to them, well, what do you think would happen if your mom couldn't see? Oh, I have to help her. Well, you know, but do you help your mom at home? No. Well, then, you know, well, I would tell them, my kids didn't do really good in school, and back then we didn't have computers, and, my, and their dad couldn't read handwriting. Now, who do you think read the report cards? Oh, I don't know. Well, they didn't. They weren't always very good. Really? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. I, I never mind if a person says, you know, how did you lose your vision? Um, and I was premature and that's, that's how that happened. But I mean, I, I never mind that kind of thing. It's, I welcome it. Um, it's, there's nothing to hide really, as far as I'm concerned, but you know, just like anybody else, you're going to get some people that are going to be rude and nasty and some people like myself that would, would welcome, uh, any type of thing like that. Well, Sharon, we're at the point in our interview that we like to ask our guests if they could switch places with one or two Andersonville businesses for a day. Do you have some favorites that you might like to test out? Oh, um, I understand that there is a a new Mexican place down the street. Octavio, Um, yes. Yeah, I've heard that that's really good. Um, What else can I think of? Um, never been to, um, the, um, uh, diner place on just south of, of Foster and... Oh, sure. Dollop Dollop Diner. Dollop Dollop Mm -hmm. Diner, yeah. They have a lovely back patio, too. Yeah, I know. (laughs) That's a story, too. But yes, I do know that. I, I met a friend for pizza. We went to the the uh, pizza place next door and she said oh there's a there's a patio let's go sit back here so they they didn't complain <laughs> but oh no i think they there. i mean i think they're probably used they're to okay. that with I'm, yeah. I'm sure that's yeah. true i'm sure that's true i mean you know this i mean this is just such a wonderful community and it's just it would be a hard place to leave because the people are great and if and you know for the most part geez i've had no trouble here i feel safe here and and have loved living here all the years that I have, and it's only gotten better over time. Well, thank you so much, Sharon, for being here. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about the Lions, Sharon, where can they find find you or find more information? Um, we have a website, uh, a Facebook a website, um, Chicago Uptown Lions Club. You can do a search for that. Um, they can also call me 
and um, if you, I can give my email address, or I can you guys yeah, know. Yeah, we how can to link it me. into the into the show notes. So. That would be great. My yeah. email is s h r n h o w at gmail dot com, and uh, people are always welcome to attend our uh, members meetings. Um, our next meeting will be August eighth, and our um, club treasurer Wes Salisbury will be giving information about a new. Um, uh, Lions of Illinois um, uh, a program that is going to be starting. Um, we do have annual dues, and those are eighty dollars per year. Um, and we just had a new person join us, so we would we would welcome people to do, men and women. It used to be a men's organization; it is no longer that, obviously. So we would certainly welcome people who may be interested and interested in doing service and in working with us. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Sure, absolutely. Well, show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is engineered and edited by Andy Miles in Studio C at Transistor, a gallery, shop, performance, recording, and teaching space located at 5224 North Clark Street. Have your own podcast idea? The studio is available to rent please call 872-208-5877 or stop by the store for details.